Welcome to the New Hope Leeward podcast. Well, how's it, New Hope Leeward? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Would you say amen? It was so, yeah, it was so great to just worship together. Whether you're here in person at Coppola or joining us online, thank you so much for being here. My name is Josiah Norgren. I'm the senior pastor here at the church. And today, before we continue into the Colossians series, uh, I'm sure you have seen this. We need to talk about this, that our governor uh, recently announced that in uh, two weeks, the rail will be finished and built. Oh, wait, I read that wrong. Sorry. Uh, I said I wasn't going to do it, but I did it every service. Okay. In two, in, in two weeks, the mask mandate is going to drop here in Hawaii. And I addressed it real quick last week. Yeah, you can be like one person's excited. You can be excited about that. I feel like it's a milestone for us in a lot of ways. And um, the first thing my wife said when, like, when we got the news, like all of you, she said out loud, oh my gosh, I need to fix my face. Okay, because <laughs> everywhere she goes, she's got used to not smiling. Me, on the other hand, at the beginning of the pandemic, I smiled at everyone under my mask. And only in the last couple months have I realized I actually don't need to smile at anybody. I just need to pretend like I'm smiling with my eyes. So I've been doing this to you in the store the entire time. I've just been giving you the Molokai eye every time (laughs) I see you. I'm so sorry. So even I need to learn to smile now. So what does that mean uh, for us besides doing makeup on our whole face or fixing our face? That means um, this weekend and next weekend are going to be normal. We're still going to wear masks as we have been. On March 26th, it will become, so that's in uh, two weeks, um, it will become optional for us here on the weekend. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to stress two things. I want to stress a, a culture of flexibility as things have changed drastically in the last 30 to 60 days and very well could change in the future. And I want to stress on a, a, a culture of grace, that if you still feel more comfortable, maybe you got young kids at home, it's just easier for you to attend online. There's no judgment. Keep doing that. If you come in person and and you are more comfortable wearing a mask, well, you know what? We want you to be comfortable here in church when you worship. So no one is going to look at you differently. No one is going to treat you like you have less faith than anybody else. The only thing we might not do is initiate a handshake or a hug because that kind of tells us that you're not ready to do that. But if you initiate it, we will gladly treat you like anybody else. There are some of my staff that, that are probably going to continue to wear a mask. And so would you do this? Would you just um, keep this culture of grace that we have? Because the reality is you don't know people's story. You don't know who is immunocompromised. You don't know who has somebody who's immunocompromised at home. You don't know somebody that had a really rough battle with COVID in these last two years. You don't know who has elderly parents at home. You don't know who's afraid that their children, young children, are not able to get vaccinated yet. You have no idea who has lost someone in these last two years. So would we continue going forward? We're going to continue to be a church that values people over preference. Would you say amen nice and loud? Amen. We're going to be a church that values each other more than what we want or what we prefer. Today, we're going to end service, you know, after the message, we're going to end it a little bit differently today. And I'm going to have you actually join me in this right now. Can you uh, pull out your phone? So just wherever it is, in your bag, in your pockets, pull it out, put it in your lap. And I I want it really close. And here's why. We're going to have a prayer time at the end of service. 
And we do this every, maybe every month, every two months. We want to do it more and more and more. What we do is we have you text in a prayer. So number's going to come up on the screen. This is our, this is our prayer number. You can actually text us at any time. But I'm going to have you send a prayer request even now or at any point if you do it uh, in the first half of the message, even if you're online, what's going to happen is at the very end, we're going to pray together and all the prayer requests are going to come up on the screen. I think we have like well over 400 in just the last service. And we're not going to put your phone number up there. You don't need to put your name or anything. It's totally anonymous. And we're going to put it up there so that not only can the pastors pray for it, but we're going to pray for it as a congregation. And so at any point, we're going to leave the number up the entire message. So if like you're in the, the middle of the message, you're like, oh my gosh, I, I need prayer for this, or I just thought about this person, or I'm really worried about the world, and I want to send in that prayer, just keep sending them in. And again, if you do it in the first half, it's going to go up on the screen, and we're going to lift up those prayers uh, together. It makes us feel in, in, a, in a season of masks, and we're being apart, and we're watching from home, that you and I get to gather together um, in one spirit and pray for each other. We have uh, two weeks left in our uh, Colossians series. We've been walking through the book together. If you missed any of the messages, you can watch them online. You can watch them on our app. I encourage that you do. Last weekend, the writer of Colossians, the Apostle Paul, he began to kind of cramp our style as he attacked the way that we live, reminding you and I that, that who we are in Christ, it must change the way that we live and change the way that we operate, that daily you and I are to take off the old self, the old life, the old sin, the old selfishness, and put on the new self. Now, this is not just now doing good things and not doing bad things. This is not shallow self-help. You have been changed. It has already happened, and now it's time to walk in that. So what I want to do today is I want to start off where we ended last weekend because I want you to see where it connects uh, this weekend. Okay, so verses, uh, Colossians 3, we'll start off in verses 9 and 10. We ended with this. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So we read that last week. We're to take off the old, we walk in the new. So how do you do that? You might have been kind of left after last week and like, okay, so how do I then, like I, I know I'm already walking in the new, but how do I do that? Where do I go next? Well, he tells us, verse 11. Here there is no Gentile or Jew. So he's talking about the church. Uncircumcised or uncircumcised. So people that were the, the barrier of uh, Jewish and Gentiles, which were non-Jews. There is no barbarian. That was a contemptuous term used by the Greeks for those that didn't understand Greek culture, Greek language. Scythian, this was a nomadic people that was looked down on. Slave or free, but Christ is all and, in, and is in all. So Paul points out that all these differences that would separate us, all these labels are gone. And he uses the most extreme examples to prove his point. Now, if he was saying this here at Leeward today, he would say there is no Haole or Hawaiian. There is no grown here or flown here. No military housing or homestead. Micronesian or Filipino. Democrat or Republican. Mask or no mask. Vaccine or no vaccine. Whether you like white rice or brown rice, white rice is clearly better. Um, whether you live in Waianae or you are afraid to step foot in Waianae. I'm just kidding. I know you got my back. I know Christian back there has got my back at all times. I love you, bro. Um, <laughs> 
that whoever you are, there is no difference because Christ is all and in all. Would you say amen? amen? That what makes us different is nothing compared to what makes us the same. What divides us pales in comparison to what unites us. Now remember the context. He seamlessly brings this up after talking about stepping away from the old life into the new life. Why? You can write this down. New life is meant to be walked out together. It's not meant to be walked out alone. And this is why some of us are so frustrated. And this is why some of us, it feels like no matter what we try, we just kind of circle back to the same spot, the same street over and over and over again. Why? Because it's impossible to walk alone. If you've ever tried to do even something outside of the church, like go on a diet, a workout regimen, a marathon, frustratingly difficult to do alone. Now, getting spiritually in shape is, is no different. And this is why uh, we, we, we've shifted as a church during one of the most isolating periods that we have ever gone through. It had us realize that we really actually need each other. Like gathering together in one big room is super good, but it is actually not enough. And so this is why we put all of our focus, kind of all of a lot of our eggs into Ohana groups. Now, if you miss this season, so we're going to do them in 10-week 10 uh, 10 increments, kind of seasons. And if you miss this one, we have two more weeks, and then there's a break for two weeks, and then it'll start up again. So if you miss this one, you can jump into the next one. We have groups that meet in person. We have some uh, that are beginning to meet in person. We have many that still meet on Zoom. And for some of you, that works best for you. You're busy. You have kids. You live somewhere super far away, like Aea or something like that, like super far and it's just hard for you to get out here. So there's some people that live in different states and they are actually in Ohana groups right now. You were created, you were made by God to thrive in community. And so I'm still convinced and I wanna just kind of draw this line in the sand again. I've already drawn it a couple times, but this is kind of for those of you that watch online. And I know that before COVID, there was kind of this stigma like online, it's not real church but we've seen God do something amazing. And so I'm convinced that if you watch online and you attend an Ohana group on Zoom faithfully, you will be more connected to this church and you'll probably go, grow more than somebody who just comes to church every single weekend in person and ducks out before anybody can talk to them. New life is meant to be walked out together comes down to the way God designed you. And so this is why Paul goes from addressing our old lives individually to now addressing our new life as the people of God. Look at verse 12. We'll take this bit by bit real slowly today. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So again, he reminds you of who you are. He's gonna tell you what to do. But before he tells you what to do, he reminds you that we are chosen by God. We are holy, meaning set apart and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves. Okay, this is putting on the new self again. Now look at all of these attributes on the screen. Every single one cannot be lived out by yourself. Every single one is lived out in relation to other people. So clothe yourself with compassion. I love the King James translation. It says, bowels of mercies. Like after you eat Taco Bell. I'm just kidding. So it says, bowels of mercies, meaning to be moved deeply within you. So like you see somebody, you don't just have pity from afar, but you are moved to do something about it. Kindness. Kindness is not just being nice. 
It's deeper. Now, ancient uh, writers would define it as someone whose neighbor's good was as dear to them as their own. And I love this explanation. They would use this word for a wine that has grown mellow with age and lost its harshness. I don't know if you have seen this before, but sometimes the older we get in our faith, the more harsh we actually become. And some of you had grandparents like that. Some of you had aunties and uncles like that in the faith that the older they got, just the more angry they become. But actually, we're supposed to grow mellow, more mellow, more kind with age. Humility, gentleness, patience. Now, one commentator said that, um, that humility is the parent of gentleness and patience. Meaning humility is an attitude of the heart. And when you have it, it gives birth to gentleness. Now, gentleness is not weakness. It's considering others before myself. It is even laying aside my own rights in the way that Christ laid aside his rights for me. Patience, some versions say long-suffering, which means to suffer long together. And if you look at all of these, two things I want you to see about all these attributes. One, they are needed for people that are difficult to love. It's not like really easy, nice, fun people. And number two, it's not something you can grow on your own. Like you can't decide tomorrow morning, hey, you know what? I'm gonna be more humble today. I'm gonna be more gentle. I'm gonna be more kind. You can be nice. You can choose to be nice. But to to be more kind, to be more humble, that is something that God has to do within you. Okay, he goes on, verse 13. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So bear with each other. The word for bear in the Greek is anecho, and it means to literally hold up, to sustain, to endure. So if you have beef with somebody, like in your family or at your workplace, what it's like is both of you are carrying something together, something heavy on both of your shoulders. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is, would you remain under the weight of it? Though it may be easier to just leave, would you remain under the weight of it as you work it out? And we're not good at that here in Hawaii. Here in Hawaii, we have this very special culture that if you were, um, say you had a really bad week, like you had a a Job-level bad week, and you come to church, and the first thing you see is my stupid face at the door, and I ask you, just in passing, hey, how are you? If you had the worst week ever, nine out of 10 of you would say what? I'm what? I'm good. I'm good. Blessed and highly favored pastor, right? Like, maybe you take it a step even further. I'm good. If you're at a restaurant, you're eating, and you, you turn to your spouse, this is the most awful food I've ever tasted in my entire life. We are never ever coming back here. And as you're saying that, the waiter comes over and says, how's the food? What do you say? It's good. So good. (laughs) There's some of you that are like, no, I tell them how it is. Well, you know what? People spit in your food. Okay. So (laughs) I don't make the rules. All right. I don't make the rules. I just report on them. Okay. So why do we do this? Many times we say it's good. Even if it's between like, how are you and your mom? How are you and your dad? How, how are you doing with your boss? And we'll say, we're good. Sometimes we'll say it kind of angrily. We're good, we're fine. And for you and I, it's this defense mechanism because we don't wanna be transparent. We don't wanna be authentic. 
We don't want, we don't want other people to have to experience our burdens, so we become kind of very holy and try to carry it on our own. And a lot of times we say we're good because we don't want any kind of conflict. And we do the same thing within the body of Christ. If we have a grievance against someone, sometimes the last person we will go to is the person that we have a grievance with. And many times I've seen this happen over and over again. Instead of dealing with it, we will just switch churches. And we'll kind of sprinkle all the good Christianese on it for why we left the church. Well, I'm just not being fed right now. It's a new season, like we're a piece of steak or something. You know, we'll just like kind of add some words to make it sound really nice. But we are called to bear together. And like you and the person carrying something heavy, if you just leave, and I'm not saying like, hey, now you have to go. I don't know what church you came from. I'm not saying, hey, you got to go back to your church, but there might need to be someone you make amends with. Because if you just leave, the weight doesn't go away. So it'll either remain on that person, on that pastor, on that volunteer, whoever they are, or it'll turn into a ball and chain that you will take with you into whatever church you go into or the next one and the next one and the next one. We are called to bear Together, we're called to forgive. And if you want to know how much are we called to forgive, well, the measuring rod, he says, is how much Christ forgave you. And my hand cannot extend into the heavens. Verse 14. This is, this is really interesting. He says, and above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. So above compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, he says, put on love because it binds all of these together. It's like one belt that holds everything together and it holds us together too. There's a, a cultural moment happening in the church that some are calling the great sort. Now what the great sort is, is it's church members that are sorting into churches by politics or by uh, preference, the great sort. And it's partially due to the fact that we all attended online for a while. So it has never been easier to switch churches. And if you came here from another church, I'm not pretending to know your situation, but what the great sort is, it's kind of sorting by politics or preference. You know, the pastor said this in the last election and I didn't like that, or the pastor didn't say this, or during George Floyd, the pastor said this and I really didn't like that, or he didn't say this or this church is pro-vaccine, or this church isn't, this church they make you wear masks, this church doesn't. And there's this shuffling that is happening around the body of Christ, and I'm not convinced it's a good thing. So giving you a Pastor Wayne Cadero quote, we, we don't need churches where everybody looks the same. We need churches where everybody looks like Jesus. Would you say amen? That is the goal. And you will never, friend, never, never, ever, never, ever, never find a church where you agree with your pastor on every single thing or you agree with every single church member on every single thing. If you do, that is what we call a cult and you need to get out, okay? <laughs> you need to get out immediately. You're never gonna fully agree. But we are a people that we're not to be marked and grouped by preference. We are people that are to be marked and grouped by love. You can write this down. We are a people saved by and sent with sacrificial love. So when Paul says put on love, he uses the strongest word for love in the Greek, agape. A lot of us know this word. It's a love that is not based on feelings. 
or circumstance. It's a love based on decision. So it's a love you can choose to put on. You can actually choose to put on agape love because you are deciding. It's not transactional. You and I, the way we treat love is if you give it to me, I will give it back. You say sorry, well, then I'll say sorry. It, agape love goes first and it gives freely without any expectation of return. We are a people saved by agape love meaning when we were dead in our sin, we were enemies of God spitting in his face. Long before you ever stepped foot into a church, Christ died for you. And we are not to be given agape love and be selfish with it. We are people that are sent with agape love, meaning the same love, grace, patience, and kindness that Christ showed us and continues to show us at our worst. We are expected commanded to give out that love to those that are at their worst, nothing less. And there's no disclaimer. I wish when Paul says put on love, I wish at the bottom it would be like, unless they do this or say this, or they're this kind of person, it's not in there. And so if you read these verses, I encourage you, would you please read Colossians 3 on your own? Like everything we talked about today, because I feel as though I don't have the time to do it justice. But I I want you to read that set again of, of, of what we're supposed to be. And I think you and I, what, what we do a lot of times to make it understandable and kind of measurable and easier is we'll, we'll take that intense list, agape love, and we'll kind of boil it down to, okay, I just need to be nice. Like when I go to the store, I just gotta be a little bit nicer to the clerk, gotta be a little bit nicer to waiters. I'm gonna smile more. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But that is like, not even elementary, that's like preschool level stuff that you and I are to do. That every single one of us, and myself included, when we read that list and we read that we are called to forgive, we are called to love the same way Christ loved us, every single one of us should take a step back and say, well, Lord, I'm falling very, very short here. That we should be able to do an inventory and, and, and look at the people that we live with the people that you speak to, the people that you walk past, our coworkers, and maybe not even the things that you say to them, but the things you think about them. We read some of these verses and we just kind of become numb to them. We just kind of skip through them. But every single one of us, and I have to do this every time I preach, the verses have to punch me first. That I kind of went through them. I was like, oh yeah, Lord, I feel like I'm doing that. I took a step back and I was like, well, I'm not doing that. He goes on, he's not done with us yet. Look at verse 15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Rule in the Greek is brabuo. And this word, it's a word used rule. It's used in athletics. And so this verse literally means, it's so interesting. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire. Let the peace of Christ be the referee in your interactions. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be Thankful that we're a people that are to be marked by love, but also thankfulness and peace. Now to have peace rule does not mean that you and I will never have differences of opinions. To have peace rule does not mean that we will, uh, it does not mean to settle for a false peace and that we will never have confrontation. But rather to have peace rule, it's kind of like the, the oil that keeps the cogs turning in the church. It's the glue that's to hold you and I together, that peace causes us when you and I 
get too focused on our differences. We get too focused on our preference. Peace is to bring us back to fix our focus on Christ. When I was a a youth pastor in in California, um, I was a youth pastor at this really, uh, this, this small church called Westminster Presbyterian Church. And I know that sounds like a really old stone building, and that's exactly what it was. And I was the youth pastor there and kind of the young adult pastor too. As kids were graduating, I was taking care of them. And that the youth ministry was growing in this very small church. And then it was, it was kind of us and there was this huge gap and there was like not very, like kids in the church, not very many adults. It was, it was kind of like elderly with all of these like loud, rambunctious teenagers. There were some people in the middle, but not very many. And so the church had two services, right? So we had, the, we had the traditional service where, I mean, like as traditional as you can get, like a lady in the front, like, ha, oh, like singing, like some dude up in like some like Phantom of the Opera, like rafters playing the organ up there that would go out to, for the whole community to hear hymnal books, the whole thing. And then we had a modern service, which was more of a contemporary service, guitar, drums and all that. Now, the church fell on some harder times where the church wasn't growing. It was kind of dwindling. And so they put the two services together. We couldn't pay our organ guy. So now we became uh, a contemporary uh, church. And the people that were most mad, now there were some that were super cool and really saw what God was doing in our church. But the people that were most mad were those that were the most mature in their faith. So the people that should have understood kindness and patience and grace, and agape love more than anybody else were the ones that were missing it the most. And and this is true. We had this thing called prayers of the people. Prayers of the people was kind of what we're doing today where we're going to put your prayers on the screen. But we would write it on cards, and the pastor would read it off to the church so we knew what to pray for. And people started using prayers of the people as a suggestion box. And so there would be prayers like, hey, can you pray for this person? They're sick. This person got hit by a car. And then the next one would say, I pray the traditional service comes back. I wish worship wasn't so loud. And then other people got mad. So they started battling with their prayers. And then there were other prayers that were like, Lord, thank you so much for the worship team. And they were like battling each other. I'm not even joking. Battling each other with Prayers, And I felt so bad for the worship leader. He was trying so hard. He would play like a hymn and then like a How Great Is Our God, kind of like 90s, early 2000s, then like a Hillsong song, like doing his best. I felt so bad for the worship leader during all of this. Who was me, by the way? It was. It was actually me, okay? We couldn't pay our worship leader, so the youth team took over. The peace of Christ should make us more peaceful, less offendable, more kind, more focused on others more than ourselves. Understanding that we don't come to church to be served. Like church isn't put on for us. Like I I always love when, when people say like, oh, I didn't really like the worship today. I'm like, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. Like you weren't, you weren't being worshiped. So praise. <laughs> I don't say that, okay? I just smile under my mask or just squint my eyes and pretend I'm smiling. That you and I, when, when the peace of Christ rules, it helps bring us back. I have preference. I have things that I like and don't like in the church. But when we drift too far, the peace of Christ is to bring us back to why we are here, who we are serving. Verse 16, going on. He said, let the message of Christ, which is the gospel, 
dwell among you richly. Just remember that part. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So I know we read this and we kind of uh, pinpoint it to, okay, it's the 15 minutes before the message when we sing together, but it's actually wider than that. So the message of Christ, uh, it dwells richly when it's shared and not by one person. So not by one person or by one worship team on the stage, but it is when you and I teach and admonish. Admonish is a word that we're not good with here in Hawaii because it, it means to caution or correct gently. And so that means this. This time that we have is important. It's very important. And the time that you, you, if you tune in online, this hour that we have is very important. But this is not church. This is not it. And the time that you have after with your spouse, as you talk about what do these words now mean for our marriage? Like I challenge you, again, a calm way. And spouse, you got to respond calmly too to ask your spouse out of this list that we read this weekend, what? Where can I work? Like, like, where does God need to work on me? It's those conversations. It's the conversations that you have in the foyer. It's the conversations you have in your Ohana group where everything we've learned begins to sink down into our heart. It dwells richly when we teach each other. And he says songs and hymns, but really back then they didn't have the New Testament. So back then they would set stories of Jesus or teachings of Jesus to song. So it'd be easier to transfer to others and easier to remember Message dwells richly when you and I are teaching and admonishing each other. Verse 17, last verse we're gonna look at today. And whatever you do, so in case you still had questions, well, Paul, what about this in the church? How do I handle this? What do I do about this? Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all, all of it, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So to go in someone's name, is to go in their authority and it's to go as their representative. Now, Paul has spent much of chapter three talking about how this new life, it's meant to be lived out in the church. And in, in verse 15, we kind of skip through it really fast. In verse 15, he calls us members of one body. Now, if you're keeping score, if you're paying attention, this is like the third time that he's done this in the book of Colossians. Here's the first time. So Colossians 1.18. And Christ is the head of the body, the church. So Christ is the head, you and I are the body. Think about how powerful of a statement this is. Christ is the head, the head looks and decides where to go. Like I'm literally walking over here because my head has decided and it's looking if it's safe for me to walk here. The body, all it does, all we are to do as the church is respond to where Christ wants to go because we are the extension of him here on earth. If Jesus were to walk this earth again, our hands are to do the things that he would do. Our feet are to go to the places that he would go. And the second time Paul says this, Colossians 2.19, Christ is the head from whom the whole body, that's you and I, supported and held together by ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Now, the head gives the body purpose. The head causes the body to grow and he will grow the church as we're connected to him. And that kind of takes a lot of the pressure off me. There's always like this feeling of, we gotta grow the church, we need more people. No, we don't. We need to stay connected to the head. I need to make sure that your relationship with Christ is rich. 
I need to make sure that your family is thriving together. That is what we need to be about as a church and God will grow the church himself. We don't need to have fire dancing. We can, we can do that kind of stuff, whatever. We don't need to have all these thrills to bring people in. We just need to preach the gospel. We need to preach it very, very well. We can make jokes in between. That's fine. That's great. Like God uses humor in very special ways. I am a total idiot and the God uses that in great ways. Can I get an amen? I'm an idiot and the Lord, you know, I'll tell you. So we can have fun. I'm not saying we can't have fun anymore, but all we need to do is stay connected to the head. And then he says, we're, we're held together by ligaments. What does that mean? It means we're held together by each other. So yes, the head holds us together. Yes, Christ holds all things together. But if we're held together by ligaments, that means Christ has given us the gift of unity, but it is our responsibility to fight for it. It's our responsibility to contend for it in the church. Why? Well, this is why Paul's going on and on about this. He can write this down. The body is most effective when it is most unified. The body is most effective. Think of down to the, just the very smallest part of yourself or even the parts that seem pointless. Like two, two years ago, my appendix ruptured and like I had to have surgery. If I, if I didn't have surgery, the whole body would have died. I stubbed my toe this morning. I really did on the way out of the house and I feel it and your whole body feels it. That every single part, when it works together, it is most effective. And the church, I found this, we, we are most effective when we're on mission. That if our goal is to just try, we got to make everybody happy. We got to draw everybody in. We got to keep everybody here. Thank God that was not our focus during COVID. Otherwise we would have been very, very depressed people that our goal is not to try to keep everyone here. Our goal is to actually go out there that we're to stay on mission. And so for me, what, like what that means for today to kind of wrap this up, I was thinking about what, what do I want us to be known for as a church? I do, you know, in, in the past, it was we want to be known, we like we didn't say this, but we wanted to be known for big buildings and multiple campuses and all these people coming. And I don't want to be known for that. I don't want to be known for just good teaching or maybe even some funny jokes here and there. I don't want to be known for that. I don't want to be known for having good worship. I actually don't want our church to be known because of me. I don't want it to rally around my name, but I want our church to rally around the name of Christ. And so that people, that they, they know our church, not by me, not by our worship team, but they would know our church by our love. That, that's what Jesus said. Like, this is how people are going to know you are who you are. It's the way that you love each other. That we would love so sacrificially, that it would be so backwards, that it would be so different that people would take notice. They would know what church we're from just by the way that we love them, even at their worst. And I wanna be a church because this is the only way we're truly gonna grow. I wanna be a church that's not just connected to the head, but I wanna be a church that is connected to the body, that you and I would begin to live in community. And I know we don't really know how to do that anymore. We spent like two years literally separating. I'm not getting political with it, but literally separating ourselves from each other. And now we have to learn how to be together again. It's crazy. I know you go to family parties and you go home and you're just like, oh, Rob, people are so exhausting. You know what I mean? Like, it's so hard to just be around people again. 
But you and I, we need to learn how to do this, that we would be a people committed to loving our world sacrificially and committing to love one another because we were made for so much more than to just attend church for an hour on a weekend. You and I, we're gonna, we're gonna pray together and it transitions so well that you and I would do this prayer time. If you still have your prayer, you didn't send it in yet, send it in now. It won't go up on the screen, but it will go to our prayer team. And, and that's really important. But in a moment, all these prayers are gonna come up on the screen. And it, it's kind of jarring. I'm gonna be honest. We had, like a, we had hundreds of prayers last service. It's, it's jarring in a really good way. Because we go to church and we put on our smiles or smile with our eyes or whatever. We go to church and we just wanna assume everybody's good. And we kind of get into this mode of everybody's good but me. Everybody's marriage is good, but mine. Everybody's family is fine. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's happy, but I'm not. Man, you see this list. You just kind of come to terms with the fact that, wow, I'm, I am actually not alone. And there are people that are, that are really, really hurting in our church. And it's kind of this, this beautiful moment. Like in, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the body again. And he says, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part rejoices, every part rejoices that we are not just random people brought together in this random building, but that you and I are actually fit and connected together by God. And so when we do this together, whether we're all in different places, we're sitting a seat apart in here, but it's this beautiful, just uniting moment. And so I'm going to pray for us. Pastor Art is going to lead this time. He leads it so well. But what I want you to do is send in your prayer. We'll get quiet for a minute. You can lift up your prayer. But as you see the prayer requests come up on the screen, just start praying for them. Just start, those are all real people, like real people, real struggles. We don't, we don't even need to add, like we don't need to add any to like fluff it. And there's so many. And we'll actually have a couple slides of them. And I just feel led to say this. There's gonna be a prayer that's gonna stick with you. Like one is really gonna break your heart maybe a little bit more. Would you just set a reminder for yourself? You won't know the person's name. You won't know who they are, but just set a reminder for yourself that you're gonna keep praying for them. And, and we're gonna come at this with expectation. It's not a wishing well. We're just throwing a quarter in and be like, yeah, nothing's probably gonna happen. Blowing out candles on a cake. I'll make a wish. Holding our breath through a tunnel. That's not what we're doing. We are praying to the living, breathing God right now. Would you say amen? Who is our ever-present help in times of trouble. He is listening and he will move. I, I, I believe wholeheartedly based on this short time we're gonna have together that the Lord is gonna move in miraculous ways. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, you are so good. You are so gracious and you know everything about us. Every single struggle, every single moment. In the Psalms, it says even, even all our tears, they're recorded in your book. Your thoughts about us are more numerous than the sand of the seashore. It says in Psalm 139, you know us, God, and you love us. And so in this moment, as we lift up prayers to you for ourselves, for those we love, as we lift it up for other people, I pray, Lord, that faith would rise, that expectation would rise. We are not here to honor a God who was once dead or a man or a rabbi who sat in a tomb. 
We know that tomb was empty, Lord, three days later. So we don't, we don't remember you who once was, a God who once moved, a God who once parted seas. We serve and worship the God who is. You are the great I am, the beginning and the end, and you hold every single moment in between. And so hold us in this moment now. As we pray to you, as we trust you, would faith rise? And would we feel your arms just wrap around us in a very real and a very genuine way? We love you. I'm not gonna close out this prayer time. Just sit in this moment for a second. Again, the prayers will come up on the screen. And so just start praying, start lifting up your own prayer requests to the Lord, start lifting up others. And then Pastor Art is going to lead us. Pastor Prayer, I want to encourage you as you look up at the screen. You might not have submitted a request, but you see your exact request up there. Can I implore you? Pray for them. Because if they have, this person has the same need as you, you two now stand in agreement. And the Bible says when we agree on anything. So look for your request if you didn't submit that. Or as Pastor Josiah said, maybe there's one that God just grabs your spirit. Be obedient. Father, we pray, God. We pray, God. There's, again, there's so many, so many of the people of God need, need help in their, 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 their bodies, in their health, family's health. We pray for them. You are, you're still Jehovah Rapha, God. You haven't changed. You. You're still a healer, Lord God surgeries that are coming up treatments that are coming up the anxiety that, that that comes with that father we pray for peace oh so much so much healing needed god nothing's too hard for you we're for salvations salvations of friends families we pray for those around us that we love them and they've drifted the last couple years they've they got hurt. They got wounded. They got distracted. God, we pray for fresh, just fresh vision for all of our loved ones, our family that have gone astray. Pray for our military, God. God, I pray for fresh faith. There's so many requests that are coming up, Lord. Just so many seem like they're at the end of their rope. God, just... Fresh faith, God. Fresh faith, Father God. Oh God, we, we pray for joy. Our world is so joyless. 
2022, God. We, we just need joy in everything, in every avenue of our lives, God. Let there be peace, so much uncertainty, healings, Father God. God, you know exactly how we're put together, Lord. You know how to reassemble that which has been broken. We trust you today, God. We believe you today, God. We pray for those that are grieving. We pray for the brokenhearted, Lord. They've, they've lost something. They lost someone. And there's a void. There's a puka in lives. God, we pray for them right now in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we as a family, we pray for the people of Ukraine. Men, women, boys and girls whose lives this past three weeks has been changed. Their lives have been changed forever, God. From this little island in the middle of the Pacific, we reach out and call out to our daddy, God, to touch the people of Ukraine. Give them fresh hope. God, Jesus, I pray that you're, you become more real to those, especially in Ukraine, especially those in Ukraine that didn't know you prior to the past month, that, that they come into a saving knowledge of you, God. They come into a trusting faith. Your family lifts them up, Lord God. Right now, we agree. We pray for them. We pray for all these requests. And the requests that are yet to come in, God, we, we trust you today, God. We thank you, Father God. You're so gracious. We thank you that you are Abba. You are Daddy God to us. You're not somebody who's aloof, afar off, distant. But we, your children, come. We can bow our heads and our hearts to you. And we know we can lay our head in your lap, God, and trust you. Thank you for being the God that you are. Thank you, God, for giving us Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence right here, right now. Your children today, we, in agreement, Lord God, we pray all this in that name, the name that is far above every name, the name that one day, Every knee is going to bow to. Every tongue is going to confess to. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. And all those in agreement would say, amen. amen. Can we give our Lord a hand clap? We hope you were blessed by this weekend sermon. If this is your first time joining us, we welcome you to check out our website, newhopeleeward.org, to learn more about us and how you can get connected into our ohana. We hope you'll join us again soon.